Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. With everything that you're doing, you're doing with your cars. You will have no privacy whatsoever with your own cash. You can open the zip and take the sandwich. Crow. It's just incredible. People drink responsibly and people drink irresponsibly. And then we have trouble outside. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with P. Gorgeous morning out there. Beautiful, beautiful morning. And hopefully with us for the day because the the week doesn't look great. I have to be very straight and honest with you. The week looks a bit naff after late tonight, early tomorrow morning. But we'll take what we get of it. So we will. Well, wherever he is this morning, one man is definitely waking up with a smile on his face. Killian Murphy. Oh boy, um, holy moly. Holy moly. I thought I was the only person who said holy moly. We still said holy moly. We'll hear more about that in a minute. One, well done, Killian Murphy. I can't tell you often enough how good Oppenheimer is. It's three hours. You'll want a ham sandwich and a flask of tea. But it's a marvellous movie and he is sensational in it and everything he's getting he deserves um, it's it's brilliant it really if you haven't seen it it should be up on all the Oscar categories now on all the movie channels I think Sky Movies has it up at this stage with the in, in the awards night category up there I think anyway I could be wrong now but it's a super piece of work and he's just stunning in it even if he wasn't from Cork you'd still have to say He's stunning in it. Well done, Killian Murphy. And let's hope he'll follow the Golden Globe and the BAFTA with that big one in uh, March. 0818969696. The number, the text to WhatsApp is 0833969696. And your email, opinion at 96fm.ie. I'm laughing here because they just gave me my notes from Friday. And we were starting to have a bit of fun with your ideal dinner guests, who you'd have. If I said two people to dinner, dead or alive, any era, anyone at all you could have t- t- to um, to dinner. <laughs> Some great ones came in after the show. But first, we go to a big story, a drug story. 32.8 million euro approximately worth of drugs. There's a fabulous photograph in all of your newspapers and was on the television news too at the weekend of this colossal haul of drugs seized at Cork Port after some wonderful work 
by the divisional drugs team in Kerry. And not just any old drug seizure. This is crystal meth. Certainly the biggest seizure of its kind ever in the country. If not if not the first, certainly the biggest of its kind. Maureen Tuig from the 96FM newsroom following the story across the weekend. Maureen, two people in custody. They cannot be named because they haven't been charged with anything, but they will be held until at least Wednesday. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, that's right. So these uh, two men in their 40s, they continue to be questioned um, at a Garda station, we're told, in the southwest of the country. And it's in connection with, uh, as you were saying there, what's believed to be the biggest ever haul of crystal meth um, in the country. Now, they did appear in court on Saturday night, around 8 o'clock Saturday night. They appeared in court in a county Kerry, a district court, but they were purely there just to, to get permission to extend their detention. So the state now, as you say, has been Wednesday morning to either charge or release them and the men they can't they were so they're enjoying the presumption of innocence of course they can't be identified and that was under order of the court because as you said there they haven't been charged with anything so they purely appeared uh, just to have this period of extension mm-hmm. or this their period of detention sorry rather extended and this is because uh, Gardaí want you know they have a lot of material that they want to put to them you know the likes of film footage and they want to put it to the two men uh, so they needed this extension. So they had to go with a report there, uh, handed into court and to get their period of detention extended mm. so that they can quiz them about this um, this massive seizure they've made. As you say, 32.8 million euro. It's suspected crystal meth, uh, 546 kgs of, as they say, synthetic drugs. Uh, so a massive, massive seizure. And they have a lot of um, material that they do want to put to these two men just to establish exactly, you know, what happened here? It is understood that the this crystal meth, um, or what's believed to be crystal meth, that it was owned by a Mexican cartel, and that uh, what's believed to have happened is that it was just transiting through the Republic of Ireland, and that it's expected that it was, you know, ultimately destined for the Australian market. So what is believed to be, it, it's believed that it wasn't even meant for Ireland, but that it was seized um, right here in in the port of Cork. Mm-hmm. Traveling through, and the there was a business premises seized off or sealed off rather and con- considerably detailed search still going on there I think over the weekend Marit. Yeah, so the searches of premises, dwellings and sheds concentrated in uh, North County, uh, Kerry. They've been underway since Friday morning. Now, heavy machinery has been used in one search, we understood, we understand. And it's also believed the Defence Forces have been involved in the searches alongside Gardaí. So there is searches uh, going on since uh, Friday morning. And of course, this seizure was made on Friday as well. So there's a lot going on in this mm. operation. And even in the container uh, that was located at the, the port at Ringeskiddy, you know, the drugs were said to be hidden in machinery that had been shipped in container freight into the deep water berth in the lower harbour at Ringeskiddy. And the initial intelligence we're hearing about the drugs, it came from at the Gardas Kyrie Divisional Drugs Unit and members of that unit have been pursuing leads, you know, that came to light during a large drug seizure in another part of Ireland over a year ago. So this operation isn't just yesterday or today's work. It's been going on for a long time. This intelligence has been building up and and it's led to this absolutely massive seizure. So that's a question that people were asking, I think, Friday, Moirid, that, you know, the guards or the drug squad didn't just randomly arrive up at the port and start wanting to look at a particular vessel. They knew what they were doing for many weeks, if not months. 
that's what it appears to be that they've been keeping an eye on you know intelligence they're looking at different things they're waiting you know waiting I suppose to pounce until they have I guess jurisdiction to do so and what we understand as well is that Gardaí have long suspected a Kerry link with a cartel it's called the the Sinaloa cartel Mm -hmm. and that they believe the seizure um, of the drugs now in Cork has effectively uncovered that link Um, and as we established there as well as the search there in the the port of Cork on Friday a number of uh, residential and commercial addresses were searched on Friday as well and we should mention during the course uh, of those operations and uh, two firearms were also seized. So those follow-up searches you know, being conducted in Kerry and Cork, uh, that's what resulted in the arrest of the two men. Uh, that's what the guy the press have been telling us and right. as we know now, those two men still in custody, that period of detention has been extended uh, so we should know more by Wednesday whether they'll be charged, released or what might happen next. Maureen, I'll leave it there with you. Thank you very much, Maureen Tuig. Fox 96 FM News. We are somewhat limited in what we can say because they did appear before Judge James McNulty at a court in Kerry Saturday night. And at one point, I was reading an account at the weekend, at one point somebody wanted to exclude the media from that courtroom. But Judge McNulty, I know him of old, Judge McNulty said, no, media have a right to be here, but I will impose very strict restrictions upon how this appearance will be reported. So there are no names, nothing that can identify these men, and that is because they haven't yet been charged with anything. So Judge McNulty was very firm on that. The section under which they're held is Section 50 of the Criminal Justice Act. They can actually be held, if I'm correct here, they can be held for anything up to a week, but you've got to come back to court every so often to seek uh, permission to keep them in custody. But we'll stay with it. The latest deadline is uh, Wednesday, as Moraid was telling you there. The, this this cartel, Sinaloa cartel, that turned up in some of the papers of the week. Like, it's like something you read on or see on Netflix. It really is like something. Was that Escobar was one of them big shows on Netflix. This is like something you read on Netflix. Only it is only an hour down the road in County Kerry. 0818 96 96 96. Right, let's listen properly to that moment from uh, last night. He won the Golden Globe a few weeks ago and I think everyone was expecting this to happen. I think everybody now realises that Killian's performance in Oppenheimer is just head and shoulders above anything else that's been turned in this particular awards season. Let's have a listen to the moment. The BAFTA for Best Actor goes to... Killian Murphy for Oh boy. Um, only Molly. Uh, thank you very, very much, BAFTA. Um, I have a few people, very important people I want to thank very quickly. Um, the most dynamic, decent, kindest producer, director, partnership in Hollywood, Chris Nolan and Emma Thomas. Thank you for seeing something in me that I probably didn't see myself. Chris, thank you for that extraordinary, exhilarating script and for always pushing me and always demanding excellence because that's what you deliver time after time again. Um, Oppenheimer was this colossally naughty, complex character and he meant different things to different people and You know, one man's monster is another man's hero, and that's why I love movies, because we have a space to celebrate uh, and interrogate 
uh, and investigate that complexity. And it's a privilege to be part of this community with you all. Um, and finally, uh, to Yvonne, Malachi and Aaron, you're my best friends and I love you so much. Thank you, guys. That's Killian's acceptance speech. Actually, he's right there. I'm having watched the movie... I then watched a documentary about Oppenheimer. And from watching Killian's incredible performance, I had formed an opinion of the man. And when I watched the documentary, it sort of sat with the opinion I'd formed from watching Killian, which will just tell you how well he did it. He also spoke a few words to the press afterwards. I mean, it's a little overwhelming, for sure. I don't think it's probably uh, sunk in yet for any of us. Uh, It's kind of mind-blowing and thrilled and a little shocked uh, moments, I suppose. Ask me in a couple of hours, it might be better. It's a great reflection on the state of cinema nowadays, you know, that this is a very complex, very challenging, three-hour R-rated movie about a physicist and about, you know... um, about a very kind of dark period in our history and that people came to see it uh, in, in huge numbers and you know people meet me on the street like and say that they've seen the film five, six, seven times and you know like boys and girls men and women young and old and that's kind of staggering and, and very humbling but it's I think it's like I said a great reflection on the state of cinema and I think it's been a brilliant year for cinema as we saw I think tonight to be fair, it has, and there's a whole list of BAFTA winners, which I'll I'll get you in a second, because Ireland did very well last night. I was felt disappointed for Barry Kilgren. It is Kilgren, apparently. He pronounces the G. But Barry Kilgren has been nominated over and over again for this Saltburn thing, which I, to be honest, I watched and kind of got a bit bored with. It's It's nothing like Oppenheimer in terms of movies, but, 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 he's brilliant in it. Harry Kogan is brilliant in everything he does. He's been really unlucky now. He got nominated for the Golden Globes and he got nominated for the BAFTA, but no such luck uh, anywhere. Uh, unfortunately, because it's a super performance. It's just a strange film. It's a strange film. That's all I'll say to you. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. There was another wonderful Irish-connected movie that did really well uh, last night, too. Um, is it pure things? I'll have to go through the list. I'll have to dig out the list. But I was mostly watching it for Killian. There's a thing, actually. That announcement came really early last evening. Did you notice that? It started flinging into my phone. I wasn't watching it live, but I was watching a movie with the Umphala. But it started pinging into my phone really early. Like half seven, quarter to eight. I mean, do they all have the BAFTAs and go home early from the BAFTAs? I know they do the Oscars at stupid o'clock at night because it's in America but what's the story with the BAFTAs being over so early? Oh wait, one eight ninety six, ninety six, ninety six. Join the conversation This is the Opinion Live With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road Blackpool. For sofas, beds kitchen, dining and mattresses Over 45 years in business Thefurnituresentre.ie Cork's 96 FM the word is your chance to win free money on Cork's 96FM. Listen to Lorraine and Ross in the morning and all day to play our big cash giveaway. We've taken banter bits from the breakfast show and bleeped out a word. And bleeped out a word. It's doing my headache. I must have got a second. I'm going demented with this. All you have to do is tell us the word. Tell us the word. Say a word. For your chance to win the cash. 
Listen after 8, 11, 2 and 5 weekdays To play the word The word Say the word Only on Cork's 96FM Yeah, I got the list there now from last night Oppenheimer won it Clatterload of awards So it did Saltburn uh, Barry Keoghan was nominated as Best Actor in the same category as Killian, but he didn't do so well. The other big winner last night with an Irish connection was Poor Things. Emma Stone won Best Actress for that. And Robert Downey Jr. won Best Supporting Actor for Oppenheimer, and he is fantastic in it. I also saw over the weekend where there's a a third Sherlock Holmes film coming out with Robert Downey Jr. in it. Uh, Not too sure when it goes into production, or even it is already maybe in production but that'll be out. And he was great as Sherlock Holmes, but I digress. 0818 96 96 96. Um, what's this? Kate says, congratulations to Killian, and I'm sure Barry will win an Oscar too. Oppenheimer's a fantastic movie. I'd recommend anyone to watch it. Yeah, if you feel sorry for poor old Barry Keoghan, because he is brilliant. As I said, Saltburn's a very strange film, but he is brilliant in it. And he seems to be falling into Killian's shadow a bit this awards season but his day will come you can be certain of it we got this into opinion at 96fm.ie and we know it's tough to be a teacher these days uh, and the mobile phone is the bane of the life of many a teacher because (laughs) they'll make a meme out of me you often hear people say oh they'll make a meme out of me I can't do this I can't do that they'll make a meme out of me well they are kids do make memes out of their teachers. We've heard that before. But this came in to us from someone who'd prefer we didn't use their name, and that's fine. Hi, PJ, I heard you speaking recently about kids using their phones in schools. I had to take early retirement from my teaching job because I was petrified that one of the pupils would make memes of me or that they might video me disciplining one of their fellow students and put that video up online. Some teachers also set me up on Rate My Teacher. Every teacher feared being put up on that. It was brutal and very harsh on some teachers. Certain kids put up TikToks too, mocking a particular teacher in their school. I know some teachers are now terrified of going to work every day because of what might happen. I had enough, and some time back I just left. It's terrible that people feel like this in their place of work. No job is worth that stress. That comes from someone who, as I said, would prefer we didn't use their name, which is fine. They sent it to opinion at 96fm.ie. Graham is a teacher, uh, working, teaching uh, teenagers. Graham, they can be, to be fair, they they can be tough going, can it? Can they not? Good morning. Uh, good morning, Peter. Good morning. Look, um, they can. Look, I'm not going to say it. At times, can it be a challenging job? It absolutely can. And what is in that email should not be part of the job. It's it's not something any, anybody sh- should be sub- subject to. But I did see the one part of it where they were talking about being kind of the potential for being videoed inside in class. Uh, um, anybody produces a phone inside my class, I'm taking it off you. Mm. And you're not getting it back until your parents turn up and it's explained. Especially if you were videoing, it doesn't have to be me. If you were videoing one of your colleagues, uh, peers in there, don't, I don't care who you were videoing. I'm taking mm. it off you. And if, no, obviously, if, this is part of our, uh, the school I work at, um, part of the code of behavior. There's rules about this kind of thing that everybody is well aware of. Um, but you produce a phone inside in class where you haven't been asked to, because occasionally it can be used for educational purposes. Mm. Um, 
then it's being taken off you. If you refuse to give it, you have to go out and deal with school management. But generally speaking, they don't. So if a student produces a camera inside in your classroom, uh, uninvited, so to speak, and starts filming you or filming another uh, pupil, what happens? I confiscate it on the spot. You know, it's going into a safe. It gets turned off because I don't want a, a phone turned on in my possession because you know, I have no interest in going into it. Um, it gets turned off. It goes into a safe inside in the uh, school office. Their parents are contacted, and that phone is not being given back until the par- uh, parents turn up to have a discussion around it. And they would, if, especially if they were actually videoing someone inside in class, uh, they'd probably go on a card or something like that. It depends on you know the exact sort. Yeah. So it's it's down to discipline that kids get away with this. There is no getting away with none. Now the same would go. I'm not inside in class using my phone video on anybody. Yeah. You know? um, but it's just cap. I mean, that at least for me. And again, I don't know all the circumstances of the other person, so I don't want to minimize their experience in sure, any way. Sure. But that for me speaks to um, culture of the school potentially and school management not stepping up and doing what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I work in a desh school. Um, it's a school to work and really enjoy it. But this kind of thing is not a thing in our school. It never has been, and it wouldn't be allowed to be. What about someone taking a video of a pupil or a teacher, more to the point, a teacher, in the playground that you don't know about, and then it's up on TikTok later on? What what would happen then? I'm not sure. It's never happened. I'm just trying to think. Um, I said, if it's as an, if, again, if it's a school playground, if it's on school grounds, then the same rules apply. And I'd be very surprised if through uh, TikTok or anything else, it wouldn't you wouldn't be able to figure out quite quickly exactly who it was. Um, if you're talking about somebody out in a public place, um, I'm uncertain. Obviously, school rules don't apply to those kind of context, uh, kind of context. Without being want to be bad about it, um, being who I am, and my own gender and size is probably something less likely to happen for that. Were a student to do that for me, um, no, they'd be they'd get an initial polite reaction, but after that they wouldn't get a polite reaction because we're not inside this class and I don't have to behave like I am. Um, and like I said, I'm not an especially small fella. They'd be on no certain terms, cut the hell on. Mm. R- reportedly, you you hear of incidents where a teacher would have words, shall we say, with a pupil and a newly pupil, and then that teacher is in centre buying their bread and milk, and that pupil's behind them with three or four friends filming them for TikTok. That's bullying. What happens then? Well, well, number one, you can go to the guards about it. If someone's following you around, that's harassment. And can a code of behaviour be applied to if you, you know, bully someone and the school becomes aware of it, then action will be taken? Yeah. I would Now, again, maybe a lawyer might tell me otherwise, but I don't think so. Um, so, I'd be, again, something that rolls back to school management. Mm. These kinds of things, unfortunately, they shouldn't be part of anyone's job at the moment, but they are. Um, now, I will say, generally, much as obviously the topic we're talking about isn't very nice, but for myself, I, my own experience of students, this is a tiny minority would do this kind of thing. I am. Um, uh, much as you hear people giving out about teenagers, the teenagers I work with on a daily basis are lovely. They're great kids. They're a much nicer kid than I was when I was there. <laughs> but obviously, they're exceptions to these kind of things. To be very well, clear, I, I wasn't the nicest kid to teach in the world. Clearly, um, the person who wrote this email felt under so much pressure that they took the, the early retirement your view on that, I think, Graham, is very firmly, look, I'm not minimizing your experience, but the management of the school you are in would have questions to answer for the fact that you felt that way. I would absolutely 100% from the little bit that I've read. Yes, absolutely. Like, again, saying that um, all te- teachers are fearful of rape my teacher, that thing, be honest, until you brought it up, um, I hadn't heard about that in about 10 or 15 years. Rape uh, my I teacher. I have no idea if I'm on there or not. Um, I couldn't care less. 
now that we're talking about it, I'm probably going to go have a look later just out of curiosity and uh, see if there's anything funny on there. But um, in that, I find that juvenile nonsense. Do I care what, you know, I care what my students, uh, in terms of I'm their teacher and it's my job to help them, support them and stuff like that and educate them. But do I care if they're on some websites saying things about, no. I mean, if unless it's something really, really beyond the pale. And if it is, I'd revert back to the same thing we said about if um, somebody is filming a teacher outside of school, you can edit codes of behaviour to cover that kind of thing. Yeah. Can you, there's the thing, just broaden that for one second before I let you go. We often hear that something happening on school grounds in a classroom, school premises, a school has jurisdiction there. But something yeah. happening off premises, like, for example, students harassing people who are still in their school uniform but they're miles away from the school you often hear schools saying oh that's nothing to do with us took place off school property we've no jurisdiction there i would def- again it's not so an area i'm especially knowledgeable about so if, okay. if someone wants to correct me i'm totally open to that correction but if you were wearing school uniform and you were out doing something illegal shall we say or something you should not be doing then can the school take sanction if their code of behavior covers that kind of thing in my opinion yes they can the code of behaviour might say you're wearing the uniform, you are representing the school. Exactly. No, you change out of the uniform, different, different, different story. Different story. Um, but look, I, again, I feel very sorry for this teacher. Um, I think at, at least some of the things like filming inside in class and rate my teacher and stuff like that, that is the kind of thing school management need to be doing something about. Um, especially the way that it was phrased, it's not, it wasn't just that one teacher who had been targeted. You're saying all these teachers are in fear. Mm. Um, of uh, I find the idea of being in fear of students that is not something that should happen I um, and I would see that as a school culture kind of thing and something that reflects badly on school management Graham, I'll leave it there thank you very much as always ok not a bother PJ you have a good one mate. see about uh, yeah yeah busy man there but the sounds of what's around him that's Graham Manning he's a teacher he said the first thing would happen to a child or a teenager rather producing a phone in his classroom without permission, be taken off, put in his pocket, and he wouldn't get it back until the parents came in to explain why it was produced in the class in the first place, which is, that's Graham's way of dealing with things. I'm just interested particularly in that last question I raised with him there about if you're off school premises, because on school premises there are rules apply, well, if they've been properly applied, but off school premises, if you are, if, if someone is in their school uniform and they get up to mischief, after school, while still in that school uniform, are they subject to the, to the disciplinary rules of their school if they're still in their school uniform? It's a Graham wasn't 100% sure. I haven't a clue. I remember hearing years ago some saying that they are. I'm thinking more, not, not so much now in the context of this email, which I'll just read again briefly for you in a sec. But in the context of youngsters getting up to mischief after school while still in their school uniform. I'm thinking in terms, for example, of the conversation I had last week with Michelle in Douglas, where there's fights going on between youngsters and youngsters coming in on the bus and fights being started and kids being targeted and parents are very worried about that. If some of the people starting those fights are in school uniform, can they be disciplined in school for it? Just a question. Just a question, but come back to this one. This is any other teacher has been through this and dealt with it in their way. I'd love to hear from them. This is about youngsters using mobile phones in school, and the email we had, and we'll podcast the whole thing afterwards, so you get to hear it in full again. Was 
they've taken early retirement from their job because of all of the carry-on with teenagers and mobile phones. That They might make memes or put videos up online or put videos up on Rate My Teacher, um, TikToks that mock teachers in the school. Some teachers, according to this person who wrote to us, said that uh, colleagues are afraid of their life going to school every day and that the stress just got to this individual and they said, nah, to hell with it. I'm entitled to early retirement. I'm taking it. 0818 96 96 96. Anne-Marie says, I go straight to the top for the blame in this. The Department of Education should just set up a policy that there be no phones in school buildings. If the child has an emergency or the parent has an emergency, the school secretary can make contact. Which, to be fair, Anne-Marie is how it was done when there was no such thing as a mobile phone anywhere. I see over the weekend the British government, I don't have the ins and outs of this down pat for you, but certainly primary schools in the UK, the Department of Education over there is looking at the possibility of a ban, just total ban on phones in primary school. A couple of things to mention. We're big fans on the show, as you know, of Aideen Mullins, Cork's wonderful uh, Muay Thai fighter who had her first professional fight just Saturday night gone at the Sam Warriors fight night at the Barris Club in Toker. And sure, she breezed it. Absolutely breezed it. Well done, Aideen. Congratulations. Big professional career lies ahead for you. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can I mention as well a man that I met many years ago? I would have met this man probably in the early to middle nineties, definitely the middle nineties anyway. Um when I was up and down rather a lot to Leinster House um reporting on politics, cork politics from within Leinster House. I used to love that one of my favourite parts of a rather colourful career of mine. But I met a man back then who was just, he was a Kerry man. He was a lovely, soft-spoken, good-humoured Kerry man, big tall man. And he would always take a young reporter who was a bit green behind the ears, especially in the uh, halls of Leinster House, and he'd give you a steer and he'd have a word with you and he'd buy you a cup of coffee and he'd chat with you and he'd tell you a story. And when he knew you from Cork, it's laggy about Barry's tea. And about football. And uh, he passed away at the weekend quite suddenly. I speak of Michael O'Regan, who was a long-time correspondent, political correspondent especially, a profound, incredible knowledge of politics. Knew it backwards in three dimensions. Uh, he died quite suddenly at, uh, at the weekend. And I was sorry to hear that. I hadn't seen Michael for quite a number of years uh, since he retired from day to day. But I did speak to him on the show. Ah, oh, God, it's a few years back now. It'll be eight or nine years back. I did speak to Michael on the show. But very, very sorry to hear of his passing over the weekend. A wonderful gentleman and a wonderful journalist. 0818 96 96 96. Back to apprenticeships next. We're wondering, and a lot of people are wondering out loud now, how are we going to build all these houses we need? You have everyone in the country, every politician now promising you houses. Holly Cairns stood up at the Social Democrats National Conference at the weekend and promised 50,000 houses. And of course, she got a round of applause. And of course, she got a standing ovation. And look, she's a fine speaker. I've had her on the show. She's a fine, articulate young politician. And you'd like to think she had a decent future in front of her. But she got up there, did Holly Cairns, like everybody else, like Ono Brin will do for Sinn Féin or 
Mary Lou or anyone will do it. Even Fianna Fáil will do it. Fianna Gael will do it. They'll all be doing it now for the next couple of months. Promising the devil and all with regards to houses. And Holly was saying, oh, 50,000 houses. Who's going to build them? Who is going to build them? Because we need thousands and thousands of workers and thousands and thousands of apprentices. We had this out last week on the show. There's a chronic shortage of tradespeople. Who's going to build all these flipping houses? 0818-969696. Well, if you think apprenticeships are bad in construction, I'm being told, look at the motor trade. Get there next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Corks 96 FM Question 10. Who represented Ireland in the Eurovision last year? Quickly, um, one more time. Okay, okay. Question 10. Who represented Ireland in the Eurovision last year? You said Wild Youth. Ah, for the love of God, I'm going to have to do a boom shakalaka! Oh my yeah. God! You did it. Two thousand euros back pocket. No, into the visa bill after this. That's what has to be done. Thanks, guys. The two grand minutes. I'm getting money. Listen to play at seven forty and eight forty every day with Cork Dental Care. You'll be all smiles when you see their treatments with Invisalign at CorkDentalCare.ie. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. Money. On Cork's 96FM. The word is back after 11. It started this morning with much fanfare. Back for another chance to play and to win big money. On Cork's 96FM, that's back after 11. When you are entering, can I just mention to you, just text us your name. Do not tell us the word in your text. Okay, thank you. 500 euro in the pot the next time it comes round. But if you think you know the word, do not put it into your text. Just text your name. All right? That's just one little thing you need to get used to. And you will, too, I'm sure. 500 quid to be had after 11 o'clock. 0818969696. Now, Liam, if you think apprenticeships are bad in construction, I should look at the motor trade. Morning to you. Morning. How are you doing? Good. Good. What's the story? Uh, um, I tell you, I was listening to you there the other day talking about construction and like the amount of guys I see leaving the motor trade every week is absolutely frightening. There's, a, there's an actual ticking time bomb here. Uh, I think in five, ten years, there won't be any mechanics left in this country, because guys are leaving so, pretty much every week. I mean, Why? Like, Why, Liam? Because basically, modern cars are junk. They're absolute rubbish. And you, you, you spend your whole life trying to fix these things, and if you're working in a dealership, and if a car comes in with a problem, they're so complicated, unnecessarily complicated, and you've a guy breathing down your neck all the time. What's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? Tell you already. Blah, blah, blah. All this, I'll carry on. Why you just get sick of it? You say, look, there's no money worth this. Those guys going off working in factories, getting paid more for less problems, less hassle. Those guys going driving vans, 
buses. When I was serving my time, I'm 34 years at this job. Okay. When I was serving my time, there was 15 guys in my class out in the college. As far as I know, there's only two of us left on the swellers. Funny you should um, say that about the, the cars changing, though, because I, I was friendly with a, a mechanic out in Balancholic a few years back. Um, good old school guy now, like yourself. And he used to say that. He said the old cars, some of them lasted for years because they were easy to fix. You'd always were, be able to get a part. Were, You'd always be able were, to replace it. Yeah, but the, the cars in the old days were built properly. I have a couple of customers. I work, I actually love, the only reason I'm still doing this is because I love working on vintage cars. Right. And I have a few customers with old cars. For, I actually got a loan of a 48-year-old Mercedes for my daughter's wedding a few months ago. Brilliant. And it started and drove like a brand new car. Modern cars. A friend of mine has a Mercedes. I think it's 2016. The thing is a heap of junk. Let's not be picking on any particular brand you're saying. But you're saying it's across the board. It's it's everything. Absolutely everything. If you if people often say to me, "Oh, I want to buy a car. What should I buy?" And I tell them, "Buy a 20 year old Toyota." Yeah, sorry, I don't, want, I don't want to be mentioning names again. But that's the well, fact. no, there's so but, many of them around. Like there is yeah. some, yeah. Like you, my daughter had a, 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 two, a, a 99 Yaris and got written off in an accident, but car was absolutely perfect. They were a great little car. They were a super little perfect. car. Yeah. Uh, you buy, buy a new car now, by the time the warranty is up, the car is worthless. See, Pichon? But the thing is, the guys working on these cars, they get so frustrated, it's so much pressure and hassle. You have to be a mechanic, you have to be an electrician, you have to be a plumber, you have to be a welder, you have to be a fabricator, you have to be all these things. No, Liam, there's the thing. I, I, again, this is, just, this is just ordinary fella who can barely find the, 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 the bottle to fill up my water, okay? I look in the bonnet of my car and I see an engine. I look in a bonnet of a car 20 years ago, I see an engine. And I'm going to say something that you're probably going to scream. An engine is an engine. A, an engine is an engine, but modern engines, if you look at a modern engine, you will see all these pipes and hoses and wires and all these sensors and all this crap, and there's no need for any of it. It's all brought in by the environmentalists, they want all this stuff, and all these things are doing is causing more and more problems. EGR valves, the EGR system, exhaust gas recirculation. They're taking the exhaust gas, the gas coming out of your exhaust, they're recirculating it back into the engine. To that's clean the most it out, idiot- That's the most idiotic thing I've ever heard. Really? It causes no end of problems. It's fine when the car is new, but as soon as the car gets uh, four or five years old. These things are just causing no end of problem. What about all the catalytic converters and all that? Should... The catalytic converters is another one. The pollution to mine the stuff to make one catalytic converter for your car is more than a car, your average car will generate in 10 years. Yeah. And these things can be, can, 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 they're expected to last five years. So we like, I mean, look, I, I, think of the car I drive now and I think of the car I drove 30 years ago 20, 30 yeah. years ago. I love both cars. I loved my first my first car was an old Ford Fiesta, an old rust bucket right. thing. But, you know it drove and it got around and it was reliable and you could get it fixed. Yeah. I now drive for day to day, I drive a little Dacia Sendero. I love them both. I loved right. my Ford. Right. We love you our gadgets. Wife- we love our lights. We love our 
Yeah, screens, but all, these things, all these things come at a price. And when all these gadgets start giving problems, they affect other systems. All the systems in your car are all interlinked. If one of them packs up, there's a good chance it'll affect something else. Yeah. I heard there recently about a certain type of car, and if one of the ABS sensors gives up in, in the car, the whole car will just stop. <laughs> God. <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And you, you know yourself... The, the roads here that we're putting up with, ABS sensors are getting hammered night and Breaking day. systems, yeah. yeah. They're probably the most common sensor that I change in cars is ABS sensors from mm. the damage. The, the one that the drives road. me mad is the one where the little flat tyre comes up and it says, check your pressures. And yeah. you go into the garage and there's the shag all wrong, except maybe one tyre has lost a small bit going over a pothole, pump it up, yeah. hunky-dory. Well, and another thing with those is when guys are changing the tires, they can damage the sensor and then your laser van. See? <laughs> it's it's ridiculous, but like, the mechanics are, are putting up with this thing. Oh, like, it's great when young lads are starting out in the job. But there's no they one coming it. into the trade now, Liam. You know, young people, yeah, young people who've grown up with technology will come into the trade and they'll, this, they'll grasp that like it's breathing. But they don't want to get their hands dirty. They think it's like oh. Fast and Furious that they're bolting big turbos at the sports cars and then sitting around drinking beer with their buddies in the evening. <laughs> the reality is completely different. So they they don't want to go you home know, with grease up to their elbows like? Grease. Grease is the least of your problems. Like <laughs> the amount of cars that I open the bonnet and you find little short grey hairs and little pellets around the engine. I found mummified cats in engines. Oh, God, no. You wouldn't believe blood and guts are on the wheel arches from Roadkill. I should have a biohazard suit some days working on cars. <laughs> you are joking me. I'm not. I'm. This is absolutely every single day of the week. Yeah. And there's no wonder guys are leaving. They're, you can get paid more in a factory sitting in a nice warm office. Like, what does, what does uh, a fourth, say, a first, second, third, fourth year apprentice mechanic get paid? I, I, I'm actually self-employed, so I'm a bit out of the loop with um, wages. But I was told about four years ago about a lad who was starting in a garage. He was on four euro an hour as a first year apprentice. Is that and even legal? Oh, yeah. There's no minimum wage for princes. Okay. Uh, when he was qualified, he could expect to earn 14 euro an hour. Right. And the garage he was working in was charging 140 euro an hour to work in your car. Yeah, no, the cost of... Listen, this is what drives people mad about garages. And again, we're not going to name anybody. Please don't name anybody. But the cost of getting labour done in a garage these days is just... Yeah. And where is the money going? Because it's not going to the mechanics. No, I believe that the wages have increased dramatically in the last couple of years. Well, if, you're keep, if you're going to keep fellas in the trade league, yeah. you're going to have to pay them well, particularly the guys who know, the, who know their well, way I'll around. Be on, I'll, be honest, I'll be honest with you know, PJ. There's no money would pay me to do some of the work that I'm expected to do. I'm lucky at the moment I'm self-employed. I have, I'm turning away work every day of the week mostly because of the injuries that I've sustained from this job. What? This, is, this job is so hard on your body and on your mind. Give me an example. This is, this is, this is, this is have, good stuff. Give me an example. I have back pains. I have pains in my arms, my wrists, my joints, my neck. I actually had to go for an MRI for the pain in my neck. That's, that's I, leaning in over the engines anyway. Yeah, that's technique, yeah. From, when you're walking at something overhead, you're looking back and 
just years and years of this. I see. And it's so mentally taxing. I, I often joke that if I time over again, I do something less mentally and physically taxing, like uh, nuclear physics or rocket science. <laughs> 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 do you know what it's you've done, done Liam do you know what you've done now and I, I really enjoyed this conversation but what you've done is any young fella who's sitting at home with his Weetabix wondering yeah. what he's going to do with his life has now decided not to be a mechanic I, well, I, I'll be honest with you know I've saved him four years of wasting his life because 99% of the lads as soon as they reach the end of their apprenticeship they just think no this is worth it and they go and do something else but isn't it a skill then if you're qualified Lastly, isn't it but a skill pro- you can take all is, over the world? Problem is, you've guys retiring, packing up, and all the knowledge and skill that they've built up during the years is lost. So there's nobody there to replace them. But the, da- but the danger that I could see happening here is, like what they've done in the NCT, they can't get staff, so they're bringing staff from abroad, they're bringing staff from other jobs yeah. that have no I qualifications. I think they were stopped doing that from there. Yeah. Uh, I think there were stuff. Do, do you know that. another interesting point? Go on. If you decided in the morning you want to open a garage and be a mechanic, you can just go in town, buy a set of spanners, set of sockets, buy a cheap scan tool for a tenor, buy a trolley jack, bingo, you're a mechanic. Don't be frightened of me. Liam, thank you very much. That's a great... Lads, if we get many calls like that this week, we'll have a great week. Well done. Thank you, Liam. Liam's a mechanic with 30-something years' experience. He said, fellas are leaving the trade and not going into the trade because... And I'm quoting him now. These are not my words. Modern cars are just... junk. Um, Connor, apologies for holding on to you. He wants to talk to me about other trades. Uh, Connor, we will get to you after the news, if that's okay. Uh, appreciate you waiting. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie. Corks 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396-9696-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396-396
But if you happen to have been in Washington Street last night and came across a pendant, a gold pendant, as kind of a sun effort and a purple stone, purple stone uh, attached to it. 0818969696. It was dad's and uh, dad passed away. So you can imagine their sentimental value. Sophie. Thanks for sending that in. No promises, but we'll we'll see what can happen. Also, we took a call from Matt Thornhill. Matt called us from Kynemore Heights. And again, this is a sad little call. Normally, we don't do lost and found. And we certainly don't do dogs because there's so many of them go missing every day. But Matt's daughter's chihuahua has been missing now for two nights. And the puppies are pining for her, as is Matt's daughter. So please keep an eye out. Are you saying... Matt, that this Chihuahua had puppies a couple of nights ago. Oh, that's that's kind of a veterinary emergency, to be honest. Um, well, thank you for that. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, Connor, thank you for holding through all of that. Um, Liam was telling me about apprenticeships in the motor trade and people leaving the motor trade because they just don't want to be mechanics anymore. I had a few calls in support of what he was saying, but you're trying to get people into stonework, brickwork, blockwork, masonry. There's a major shortage there too. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Very good, and thank you. Good, man. A shortage. First of all, yeah, I would want to thank you. I just want to thank you to, for this opportunity to promote my school in Dripsy and just to introduce myself and a bit about my background. Okay. So my, my name is Connor Kelleher, and I've been a stonemason for the last 30 years. Right. I own my own company called Cork Stone Mason and Building Stone Cork, selling all building stone. So when I finished school, I was unsure of what I wanted to do. So I began working with my father and my uncle, Jimmy and Brendan Kelleher, Kelleher who were building contractors. From this, I got a taste of the various trades, such as plastering, uh, blockwork, brickwork, and stone masonry. Mm-hmm. What benefited me was the hands-on experience of all these, but the stone masonry was the one I loved, do- loved doing. Connor, for those of us who mightn't be familiar with it, what exactly does a stone, we know what a block layer does, we know what that kind of, what does a stone mason do? Yeah, so what I do is um, I I work with natural stone, building stone and um, uh, dressing stone and building walls. I could be building, I could be doing walls that would be after collapsing down. I'd have to rebuild them or we could be doing um, patios or we could be working on old castles. Uh, old walls, new oh, walls, it all okay. depends. Okay, okay. One so the, I worked under trades. a stonemason on O'Shea from Coachford. Mm. I worked for a, a stonemason by the name of Con O'Shea from Coachford, who was 83 and is still building stone walls. And he taught me everything I knew. Sure. But the idea for the school, PJ, came about because I can see less and less people taking up the wet trades. Yeah, so no, the wet trades, obviously, obviously masonry, as you describe it, stone masonry is quite specialised, but there's brickwork, blockwork, plastering, like you said. There's, lots, there's, there's a shortage of people going into those trades too. Yeah, that's it. So I wanted to create a course where people of all ages could come and see the different trades and what it entails on. 
a hands-on fun environment. It won't be like going into a classroom. There will be building with stone. So we have facility, facilities in our stone yard to have these half-day courses. It's not weather dependent as we have a warehouse set up for the courses and it will be open for people working in factories who want to do some team building exercise right. and means sheds and fortune students upwards. Well, yeah, but would this be useful for we have a lot of young people trying to make a decision, Connor, on what they do with their lives and they're 16, 17 and 18 and they're not 100% sure what to do with their lives and and like and a, a, a trade might be great for them but they don't even know where to start. Well, that's why we set up the school because we want to bring transition years to our school Excellent. for half-day courses and show them the different trades that if they're interested in doing them that they can go further on and go into working with, okay. with a trade. Because we do have, and I was only mentioning it there, with, we do have, a last week, we have a huge shortage in all the key trades. You'd wonder where we're going to build all these houses we need if we've no one to do the trades. Yeah, and look, I have a great support from the stonemason community and my stone suppliers are all around Ireland and um, they're all they're all hoping that young fellas will take it up or girls, it depends who'd like to do it. It's there for everyone, you know, there's brickwork, blockwork, plastering, you know, all these wet trades and it is a shame that the people aren't um, going into it right. and they're all going for third level education, you know. All right. Connor, thank you for your time. Corkstonemasons.ie is Connor's website and the details of all of his courses and stuff are there. That's Connor Kelleher, stonemason. But that's a very specialised work with old stones and old walls. But there's brickwork and blockwork and plastering and all those trades, what they call the wet trades. And they can't get people either. Which brings me right back again to where I was when I heard what Holly Cairns said on Saturday night at her party conference. And I know we'll have it from Sinn Féin and we'll have it from Fine Gael and we'll have it from Fianna Fáil and we'll have it from the Green Party and we'll have it from the Divil and all themselves, Labour Party, all telling us how many thousands of houses they'll build. They'll all tell us how many. Who's go- And that's the question. When they come to your door for the local elections and the European elections and the general election, which will be sometime between now and... By this time next year, we will have to have had a general election. Constitutionally, anyway. When they come to your door telling you, oh, we're going to build... Who's going to build them? Where are they going to get the plasterers, the plumbers, the carpenters, the electricians, the block workers, the tilers, plast... Where? Painters. Where are you going to get them? Where are you going to get them? Because they're not out there. Because there's a chronic shortage of apprentices. 0818969696 I'll come back to that I'll come back to it because some mechanics have phoned in to agree a wholeheartedly with with Liam and we'll podcast that call later but I want to turn to something else that has been affecting hundreds if not thousands of people we know that there was a bit of Covid around Christmas and the New Year we know that it's flu flu season and we know that kids were getting this RSV, which is uh, lung disease. It's RSV it has a big long name that I can't remember, let alone pronounce. RSV, it's it's a class of a lung disease, and it's normally in kids. But Pat Mulcahy, you got it. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You got RSV. 
I certainly did. And I was actually absolutely shocked um, because it was something I was familiar with. I had heard of RSV, um, but uh, specifically a disease that were was affecting infants, especially babies and young children. And I think most would get over it uh, fairly quickly, school age and that. Um, but I um, had to call an ambulance to my home about three weeks ago. And I had a COVID test in my home because the ambulance people don't actually do COVID tests anymore. And they took one of my COVID tests and said, we'll test you for COVID because I said something was terribly wrong. Yeah. And the COVID test was negative. And what were your symptoms, Pat? Were you struggling to I, breathe, a coughing, what? Yes. It started with a runny nose. Then it started with sinus, which I put down to something that I'm waiting to see a consultant with um, because I'm prone to sinus. And then I just felt very unwell, very fatigued. I couldn't walk up the stairs. And then my breathing became affected. So I knew the lungs were affected. And that's hence the ambulance came because panic stations in the house mm. uh, in the early hours of uh, Tuesday morning. And what they did was they tested the basics, your heart rate and your oxygen levels and whatever, and said that they all seemed to be okay. The heart was a little fast. The breathing was a little fast. Mm. The option they gave me, PJ, was to... Um, go to my own doctor and get him to refer me for a chest x-ray or if you choose you can come with us in the ambulance to the A&E. Now I felt in my gut I did not want to go in an ambulance but I felt in my gut that something is not right. I mean you trust your gut and we ended up at the Mercy Hospital and they tested me a swab in the mouth and I didn't know this and up the nose and I said, I've already had the COVID test done, it's negative. And they said, no, this is for the RSV. And I said, I thought it was for kids. Yeah. And they said, no. And they came back and said, you're positive for RSV. And that is was- the thing, and I've spoken to doctors, Pat, over yeah. the winter, John Sheehan in particular now and, and others. Yeah. You know, and they all talk. They talk about the COVID being there, and they talk about the flu season, and they talk about RSV. But almost invariably, RSV we're told to be careful of it around small babies and children. Absolutely. The numbers we got, according to the HSE, yes, forty-eight percent of the people who got RSV in January were adults. Adults, and uh, hugely affected were the over sixty-five. Now, I'll be 68 in, in July, um, PJ, mm. and I'm, I'm actually very concerned that there is no warning out there. The HSE has not raised awareness at all. I knew nothing until I looked up the website, which 99% of the people don't do on a daily basis to discover that this virus was 48% was over, I think, 65 plus years of age. Um, and very vulnerable people and I just worry um, with the contradictions do you know what I felt and through the whole experience the health system is in chaos and we all know that Mm. but what I discovered was I pay private health insurance my entire life 
And after my visit to the MUH, they sent me out. Now, they did give me an antibiotic, though it's not for the RSV. It was for the sinus and take Panadol. And I left that evening the uh, Mercy Hospital and glad to be home, but still very, very unwell. Um, So I ended up uh, the following day, my daughter rang South Dock um, at two o'clock in the morning. I was up. I couldn't breathe. I had the pain on the left side of my lungs. And I thought there's something drastically wrong because there's a high possibility of pneumonia from this RSV. So I was concerned and she went on the phone. I couldn't even speak. And the South Dock actually said, best bet is to go to the CUH. I'll send a letter. That'll be 40 euro. Can you pay over the phone, please? Okay. And then we had another episode in the VHI, which I'm paying my entire life and my family. And I went to the VHI clinic hoping to get a chest x-ray to avoid um, adding to the pressure on the CUH. That's the only reason I opted for VHI. And when I got there, um, I was seen to in about five minutes, I have to say, and they do advertise on TV, maximum 15 minutes. And when I went into the room and the girl was taking my vitals and doing blood pressure, I said, my God, you're unbelievable nurses. And she said, oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm not a nurse at all. Now, this young lady was taking my blood pressure, uh, my oxygen levels, uh, my heart rate, you know, the basics that you get done. And you'd expect to be done Maybe she was a paramedic or something, you never know. He was a healthcare worker. Okay, well, they would they would have an amount of training in the basics, to be honest. They would and have. I'm thinking, is this the way it's going? Because I always saw a nurse first, and yeah, then, yeah. yeah, and the nurse came in, read the vitals and whatever, and uh, she said, "I'll say it to the doctor." And the doctor came in, didn't examine me, didn't look at me. I said, "Can I get a chest X-ray, please? I'm afraid it may be pneumonia." As I was told to watch out. Oh, no, 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 we won't do that here. You just go up to the CUH, go back to CUH. Okay. Uh, 75 euro, please. And I, there was nothing done for me. I now, I have a chest X-ray machine in the VHI. Why am I paying the VHI? That's a whole discussion of its own, Pat, to be honest well, with it you. Is. But, yeah. It is. Yeah. And I have to say, once I was in the A&E and CUH, um, what happened to me there while I was waiting to be seen um, my rib fractured while I was sitting down on the chair and I have to say when you're in dire straits by God they're there and they they're were brilliant. they're yeah. brilliant I, I had experience myself last October Pat as I'm sure listeners might know I had a I, I, was, I was a medical emergency at 3 o'clock in the morning and I was greased through that place like a monkey on a pole yeah. And it was, they, they were brilliant. You, a lot of people have to bad. wait a long time, but if you're in emergency, if you're in trouble, if you're in distress, you'll be flown oh through. You'll fly God. through yeah. it. You'll fly through it. Yeah. Porter, yeah. There was three nurses, a doctor. They had me hooked up to every machine in minutes, in, in three to four minutes. Good. And what happened was what happened to me while I was there was the rib actually fractured completely and broke. Okay. How, how are uh, you now? Um, recovering. It's a long recovery. It's six to eight weeks. Um, but I just feel the whole system as well. And I was saying to Emer during the week, 
the whole system, PJ, is it, they seem to be pulling against one another. We have the top boys in government. We have two main parties sharing power and we have no hospital. We have one hospital covering Monster CUH. It's just unacceptable. Mm-hmm. I tell yeah. you, I got so upset. Well, really, well you people, you've people, you have great medical people also saying that, yes, it's a brilliant hospital, very state-of-the-art and all of that, but it's just yeah. overrun now. Oh, if you went in there when I was ran through on the bed, I mean, there's beds clung up against every corner and every car- corridor. It's frightening. Mm-hmm. It's third world place. Uh, the care is exceptional. But I have to say, one of the doctors that cared for me up there actually said to me, you were in the VHI clinic early this morning. I said, I was. She said, what did they do? Tell you come to the CUH? I said, yes, they did. And she said, how much did they charge for that privilege? I said, 75 euro. Yeah. So it's just appalling, absolutely appalling that the VHI don't... Well, no, do let's, not have, let's not have a pop off the VHI because they're not here to defend okay. themselves. But oh, I'm no, just saying, like, you know, they're, they're not here to defend themselves. So, yeah, but I, 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 accept, I accept your, I accept your, your story as you tell yeah. me. And we, we, will, we will get onto them ourselves, but we, we wonder why we're paying private health insurance yeah. because they're putting pressure. To me, they put pressure on the CUH to do the chest exercise. That's the important one, that the, doc, the doctor you met in CUH yes. knew, obviously, from your notes knew that you'd been into VHI and said, as if to say, well, you're not the first today that they've sent up here. Yes. It was you. like, it's happening and it's happening and it's happening. That's the story and, in itself, yeah. You know what, now, we have a hospital there uh, years ago, St. Finbar's PJ, you remember? Remember it very well. I mean, it was one of the most fantastic hospitals, the grounds, the government own it. Well, there's still a hospital and there's still a lot going on there, but there's no emergencies there. The elderly and people with Alzheimer's and, you know, more, I suppose, kind of a nursing home, to me more than anything. But this should be a state-of-the-art hospital. They have the land. They own the land. You're not wrong. A lot of people would agree totally with you, Pat, that we need another, we need another, like the one they have up in the orthopaedic, we need another unit on the south side, and we also need another emergency department or step, or minor emergency department. Yeah. You'll be old enough to remember when we had five emergency departments. I do. And do you know what I remember, PJ? And, like, as a woman, I'm outraged. We had five, at least, maternity hospitals. And women don't realise how much was taken from them, their choice of where they wanted to go. We had Erinville, we had the Bonds, we had Finbars. Uh, where were the other ones? The, 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 the South Infirmary, could you, get, could you have a baby there? The General Hospital. City General, Doctor. Oh, yes, Victoria, City General. And you, they were all shut down and not... Was there a woman made that decision? No, CUMH C- is state-of-the-art, to be fair. It's state-of-the-art, but they're overrun, PJ. Yeah, yeah. I know some people going in, they are, again, under pressure. Well, I remember my twins were born in the air. Yeah. And I remember Dr. Fenton, the, 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 yes, the guy in there. And, and like... Even at, at that time, they knew the the whole CUMH thing was coming down the tracks. Yeah. And, and they were saying, yeah, you know what? It's going to be a fantastic hospital, but there's too many there's too many babies being... At least the Ernville, yeah. it was only babies. You can, were, of course. You know? Of course. 
And the same with the bonds. I had my daughter and the bonds, but yeah. I had a choice at that time, PJ, and that choice has been taken completely uh, from that, every that, woman so, in the That is a point, actually, that, that people don't make much. Because I, no. I was born in the bonds, and my kids were born in the Ernville. And Other I people I know were born in Finbars. Yeah, I was and, born. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I just said, it's like we have Michal Martin, Leo Bradker, two professional people, educated years and years of experience in politics. And to think that we have one hospital, CUH is the main hospital for Munster, yeah. and it is absolutely a disgrace the way the staff have to work under the conditions up there. Pat, come back lastly and briefly to where we started. You've got yeah. RSV, and the point that you wanted to make is that, as you have discovered to your cost, and as the statistics stand up, it is yeah. not just a children's disease. No, it's rampant. Um, from what I gather now in the meantime, while I was talking to people and doing research. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It was rampant in January and I think December. And as an adult, I think a lot of adults are not aware of that they can be affected. I left my guard down, PJ. I'm very aware of uh, since COVID, and I never had COVID. I've always tested negative. Mm. I put gloves, I put on my mask, I put on everything, I use the gel. I'm very careful. Even up to about three months ago, I would go to the hairdresser with my mask, I would go get my nails on my mask, wash my hands. And then I got very relaxed for the last three months. Yeah. So... It's to raise awareness and just let people know, particularly those over 60, please wash your hands, 
Wear okay. your mask because it is out there and it's highly contagious. Okay, okay. I'll leave it there, Pat, and I wish you a good recovery. Pat Mulcahy, uh, recovering from RSV, which we thought was a children's disease. Uh, 48%, according to statistics, 48% of those diagnosed with RSV in the course of the month of January were adults. So not a children's disease at all, at all, at all. Don't be fooled into that. And she had a rough time of it. There's another story that arises, and I don't know if this has happened to anybody else. She went because she has a VHI membership. She went to the Swift Care Clinic, uh, I assume. There's a couple of them. She went to the local Swift Care, and they have the x-ray facilities there. But when she wanted a chest x-ray, they said, actually, your best place for that now is go to CUH. When she got to CUH, they could see in her notes that she'd been to the Swift to the VHI Swift Care, and she said that they said to her in the CUH, "You're not the first person that that's happened to." Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'm sure there's a very good reason for it, but uh, it'd be nice to find out, wouldn't it? Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with the Furniture Centre Watercourse Road Blackpool for sofas, beds, kitchen, dining, and mattresses. Over forty five years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie. Cox ninety six FM. Great story. There was, I came across these stories before of old wartime bomb shelters buried under gardens. Now I'd never actually seen one. I'd never come across one actually having been found. But I had heard about it, that uh, there were old bomb shelters under gardens in Cork. Well, Owen English and uh, Dan Lenehan and the Examiner have done a good story on such a shelter, um, which was found in the garden of Jean Walsh's house in, in Douglas. Jean, did you always know it was there? Or you always knew there was just something there? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. I knew there was a bomb shelter there. And yeah, we bought the house um, 48 years ago. Yeah. Dennis Horgan, you know, Dennis, the photographer, Indeed. who has books on aerial photographs of Cork. Uh, he was an auctioneer at the time. I knew Dennis, he yeah. He doesn't remember telling me that there was a bomb shelter here, but yeah, we knew it. And you could see the air vent. There was an air vent where my son Rory used to throw things down into it. Right. But we never, my husband died about a year and a half ago and I decided to kind of do a maintenance-free job on the garden. And while we were, we'd one side finished and we moved over to where the air raid shelter is. And I said to Owen and Aidan, I said, look, dig it out there and we'll have a look at it. (laughs) So off they went with the digger and lo and behold, a little three-roomed air shelter. Wow. Wow. Steps down into it quite deep. I think Aidan said it's about 10 foot under. Where, whereabouts oh. on Douglas Road is it, Jean? Uh, Woolhara Park. Ah, Woolhara Park. Yeah, yeah. Now, they were um, a family called Archers. There was only the two of them. They had no family. And he, I think, they were jewellers in Cork at one stage. Archers. Nice, nice. Yeah. A jewel, jewelers, and they had Charlie and Mary Archer, wasn't it? Charlie and Mary, yeah, no family, but they obviously had some kind of fear, or 
I don't know why they put a bomb shelter in the garden. My neighbour, Sheila Daly, on one side, and Jerry and Francis Call, and on the other, knew about it, and they knew the, 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 the couple. And did they put it in, or...? Oh, they would have put it in. They would have put it in. They would have put it in, absolutely, yeah. Sorry, I'm a bit hoarse. You're okay. Um, So three rooms and an air vent. And was there anything in it when you went down there? No, that was was my big disappointment. (laughs) I said to the lads, I said, you know, we might find gold, or they thought we might find guns stored down there or something really exciting, but unfortunately, (laughs) no, unfortunately... A couple of old glass bottles and deflated footballs that my son had thrown down. <laughs> let's let's bring in. Stay there for me, Jean. Great story. Um, in Carroll, I uh, was one of the two gardeners involved in discovering this. So it was there. You knew it was there. She obviously told you it was there. But how did you get the curiosity to open it and go looking at it, Aidan? Morning to you. Hi. How are you doing, PJ? Gee, I. Uh, Basically, PJ, there was just a little bit of an indent in the ground where we, and next thing, uh, we put the shovel in and it disappeared. And it was a case of, gee, genius, there's something there. All right, you know. Um, but, uh, we, Gene said, gee, we better keep on digging then to see what's actually, what, what, how far it goes, goes, or goes Sounds down. Sounds to me like it's a good know? idea you did dig because otherwise poor Gene might have fallen down the hole. Well, I say someone could have gone down a PJ. I was only laughing there. I wasn't speaking to Jean yet this morning, and I was only dreaming. I was only dreaming last night. And I was saying, "Gee, there's nothing down there." But I was saying, "There's another two foot of soil has to be dug out of that there yet. That there must be something there. Can, there might it mightn't have un, uh, unveiled all its secrets yet, you know." Crikey. I have a I have a vision of finding um, Del Boy's timepiece or something down there. I don't <laughs> think I'd be able to. I don't think I'd be able to live with myself with the thought of it in the back of my head. Yeah, you th- you'd think, wouldn't you? And Gene, did that occur to you? Like you, you'd think that if someone had built this and then obviously sealed it up when it wasn't needed, you'd have thought that it put something into it as a, as a memento or something. Gene? Exactly, You're talking to me. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's what we plan to do. We're going to put in a copy of last Friday's Cork Examiner. Right. So whoever opens it in the future uh, will know, you know, that that we knew about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a wonder they didn't put something in, wouldn't you think? Yeah. It would have a handy little Maybe apartment to rent out there if you did it open. I don't know. It's strange, yeah. But it's amazing, the interest in it. This guy called to me on Saturday... Eric Geary, he lives up in um, Sunday's Well. Mm. He, wanted, he wanted to stop me filling it in. He said, you can't fill it in, can't fill it in. Uh, I have one in my garden, he said, and my children used to play in it. And the last thing we did with it, we kept chickens in it. <laughs> in the bomb shelter. <laughs> in the bomb shelter. But he lives in Sunday's Well, where the lawn sweeps down to the river. You know those yes. houses? yes. And it's a totally different type of bomb shelter. It's more overground, if you like. Yeah, there's a lot so of I, underground passages under those houses, or so so I so I hear over the years. Aiden, so access second. access to this was what by stairs was it or steps? Uh, well, there was a steps, obviously, but uh, what we because obviously for easy access when they were running up and down on, into it. But as we had to dig get out, of course, they. they um, the 
steps that were there had to be gave away because they would have been they're obviously eroded and all that but at the moment we're kind of just uh, shuffling down into it you can't quite stand up in it yet because there's a lot of stuff uh, a lot of soil and that after washing back down into it right that, um, I think there might be something down there alright PJ you might find you might find some Gene you might have you might find something yet I'll tell you now this could be another Tutankhamen job <laughs> That's exactly what I'm hoping. That's brilliant. In other words, you're hoping someone left a bit of money down there, a bit of jewellery or something? Hoping, I was hoping for gold bars myself. Be all right, wouldn't it? Oh, that's fantastic. Gene, the best of luck with, with whatever is down there. And Aidan Carroll from DKMB Homes, the best of luck with, with, with finding whatever might still be down there. It's one Woolhara Park, Jean Walsh's bomb shelter that she always knew was in her garden, but kind of had no idea how big it was. Uh, Owen English and Dan Lennon doing good coverage of this in the Irish Examiner. Dan took some good photos and videos. The house was built in the 1920s, and as Jean said, Charlie and Mary Archer were previous owners, and according to the Examiner, Owen writes that Mary Archer's father was a former Lord Mayor of London. Now, beyond that, we don't know anything about the Archers. We think they were the people who put it in. I'm thinking of one particular uh, Archer family that I know and that pretty much everyone who knows the Lord Mayor's office knows Finbar Archer, he to be the driver of the Lord Mayor's car. If anybody knows about an Archer family living on the Douglas Road back in the day... Uh, Finbar will know. There was another one, Owen reminds us, found back in 2007 in Knockray Park, also out around the Dublin's Road. Uh, a big, uh, there, was a, there was a big house out there. And in 2007, there was, there was a bomb shelter found in the, in the garden of that house. And it had been previously owned, excuse me now, by a former British ambassador to India. And back in 2014, the examiner also reported a house that had a bomb shelter out in Turner's Cross in the back garden. They're out there, lads. Lots of them. Uh, Catherine says that might have been a Fred Archer. He was also a jeweller and engraver on Oliver Plunkett Street years ago and my mother worked with them from Catherine, that's Catherine Charlie and Mary Archer I'm not sure if they had family we think that her father had been a former Lord Mayor of London thank you Catherine for that though could have been Fred who was a jeweller and engraver on Oliver Plunkett Street 0818 96 96 96 be careful of that old dip in the garden, there might be something there you didn't know about they're quite common around around um, parts of England, of course. Indeed, they are quite common. We'll follow that one. If they find, and as as um, as Aidan said, they're still digging it out. So if they find anything of interest, you'll be the second to know. The next opportunity to win free money on the word comes after eleven. We'll be looking for entries for the word, and the one most important thing is: do not. Give us the answer in your text. You'll be just texting your name. Just your name. Nothing else. 
if you want to enter the word uh, coming up after 11. 0818969696. Angeline sends this in. Everyone should have their vitamin D level checked. It's responsible for healthy immunity. The media should be giving advice and tips on how to achieve a healthy immune system. This is constantly being neglected. Not enough information is given to the general public. I'm sure there are experts who could talk about these things on the show. Angeline, you're absolutely right about vitamin D. I take it all year round. Every morning of the year. Christmas morning, Easter Sunday morning, 1st of July, 1st. I take vitamin D every morning of the year. And it's very important. It is. Uh, 0818969696. Come back to some of your stuff from earlier about modern cars. Liam was on talking about apprentices apprentices and mechanics just leaving the car trade. And uh, Johnny says, we'll, we'll podcast it afterwards. Johnny says, PJ, listening to that mechanic earlier, he's spot on by the new cars, but he left out how the electric cars are a massive fire hazard and how the lithium battery is brutal for the environment. The government, again, and their bright ideas will have a lot to answer for in a few years because of that. Well said, Liam. Modern cars are crap. This is from Pat in West Cork. Modern cars are crap. They're built for smooth roads and a dry climate, which we don't have in this country. They're full of electronic gizmos. I have a 48-year-old vintage. It's going like clockwork, and I can maintain it myself. It's plain and simple system. I have a 68-year-old vintage tractor. Again, starts first go, and it's going like clockwork. It's backwards we've gone with all this technology and other rubbish in our cars. That's from Pat in West Cork. Uh, Mick says, when I was young, I wanted to be a mechanic. I went in and I asked, was there any starts going? The man in charge asked me what my father did, and I said he was a builder. And they said, well, we prefer people who had a father who was a mechanic. (laughs) So that, says Mick, is a big part of how we got there today. And we have a shortage of personnel in the Navy as well. Uh, Kieran reminds us, sorry, we, we need more ships patrolling our waters Government need to wake up. Shocking the way it has gone. I, I may be wrong here now. I may only, may only have half the story. But I read in one of the papers last week that we only have the personnel to keep one naval vessel fully stocked and fully armed on the water and fully crewed on the water at the moment. Whether it's constant now or it's only, it's only happened from time to time. That's, that's worrying. We used to play in the seven fields in Ballinlock. They looked onto the back of the houses in Woolhara. There was another house there had a bomb shelter. It was smaller and more visible. Did people in the south side know something the rest of us didn't? It's true. It's true, actually. All these um, bomb shelters seem to have been, although if anyone had run on the north side, I'd be happy to know. They all seem to have been on the south side. <laughs> and Frank says to Jean, are you listening, Jean? Beck says, says, says Frank, you get 1500 quid a month renting that out. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie. Coach 96 FM. Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Quartz 96 FM. Just take our 10-minute music survey and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. 
win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or c96fm.ie. A cry from the heart to opinion at 96fm.ie. PJ, I need help. My kids are out of control. They're four, five and seven. They will not stay in bed at night. They stop talking until 11 o'clock. They're constantly asking for treats, phones, drinks. And if they don't get what they want, then the tantrums start. It's like the two younger ones are learning from their older sibling and mimicking the bad behaviour. I'm working full time. I'm exhausted. One of them is constantly either moaning or crying or roaring. I've tried reasoning. I've tried shouting. I've tried threatening to ban them from screens, taking away their toys. They're fabulous kids and I love them dearly. But it just feels like Groundhog Day at the moment and I'm constantly firefighting. How do I gain back control of my children? And it's just signed, help. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Anybody else uh, identify with what's in that email? Bethan O'Riordan is a psychotherapist and host of the Mum's Mind podcast. Bethan, you can almost feel her frustration jumping off the page. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Absolutely. And I think every mum or parent listening to that, it resonates with all of us. You know, she is not alone. Every single one of us moms have felt that before. And it is a horrible feeling. You know, nobody ever said when you're reading your what to expect when you're expecting and you're preparing for birth and you're in CUMH and it's all lovely. Nobody tells you to fast forward seven years and this is how life is going to be. It's really hard. Mm. Chaos comes with kids. It's, It's normal. But if you're trying to hold down a job and run a house with all that, then... It, it it doesn't feel normal at all. Oh, I know. And I, th- I think it's like one of the complications of modern life is trying to get kids to fit in with the busyness of life that it is, you know, because, you know, her kids, like a lot of kids are clearly saying, no, no, I don't want to operate that way. And then there's a stuck bit. So, well, I have to get out the door to work. I have to, you have to put on your shoes. You have to get your bits ready. I can't give you any more. It's a really, really tough place to be. Yeah, it's it's dancing on the two sides of a line, isn't it, Bethan? In that you have to allow your children to express themselves and to develop, to develop and be the young people that, and, and you know. And then on the other side, you have to run the house, and it's trying to dance across the two sides of that line. Yeah, and I think, do you know the really, so when you were reading out her message then, I guess like the mum bit of me really resonated with it and the therapist bit of me really wanted to say this, that it's really important when kids are letting us know because we all know, hey man, let your kids express their feelings. But when they express their feelings, usually then it triggers a feeling inside for the parent and that feeling more often than not is I'm not doing a good enough job and I think that is what this mom is talking about here yes it's the logistics of how can I get them to be in bed at night earlier how can I get them to stop talking how can I get them to sleep more because I'm imagining then that they're tired and cranky the next day and so the vicious cycle continues but perhaps underneath that is a message that the mom is getting 
of feeling not good enough, of feeling like she's not doing it right. Sure, everyone else on Instagram has their matching beige clothes. Ah, and you just mentioned the, the I word, the Instagram <laughs> oh. word. <laughs> is it banned? <laughs> this, no, this feeling that everybody else's family, everybody else's kids are well-behaved, well-dressed, clean and ready for bed at half past seven, except mine. It's nonsense, isn't it, Bethan? Yeah, and I think I think it's probably one of the pitfalls of social media. You know, in a great way, it's great that we can get information, we can hear what's going on in the world, we can learn things, but it also creates a false narrative because I I I mean, so my experience is, you know, if I've met sort of the Instagram families where everything is perfect, maybe they get an awful lot of help. Or maybe it was perfect for that one picture and then things became normal, you know. So I think I think that there is this bar, this level that's being set on social media that just isn't real. I mean, the, the co-host of, of our podcast, the Mum Mind podcast, Steph, she said, I love when I come into your house, Bethan, because when you say it's messy, it's really messy. Mm-hmm. It's a <laughs> and home. And I thought, oh, that's lovely feedback. Thank you. <laughs> right. I had a dear friend. Yes. A dear friend is a mother of seven. And I remember when my own twins were, were eight, I, I happened to oh. remark that one of them was a pain in the ass, to which my friend responded, She's eight. That's her job. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. that was one of the best bits of parenting advice ever got in my life. Yeah, I think fine, actually. And, and you know, there's a lot to be said for that, isn't there? Because I think, I think again, this double-edged sword of the online world of social media is that there is so much information. Oh, I'll just research how my child should be. <sighs> oh, my child is doing this. I, I'm going to research. But actually, if it's we can fall into the accepting of it, yeah. And if we can fall into that, well, this is you, this is where you're at. I am going to support you to get through and totally love you regardless. It's a mindset shift that can be really important. All right. Beth Ann, we'll leave it there. The Moment's Mind podcast. Beth Ann is the co-host and also a psychotherapist. Anybody out there identify with this email that can offer some advice for our frazzled working mum. I'll read it out again. After the news, poor woman is a poor woman is driven distracted by three children of four, five, and seven. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool, for sofas, beds, kitchen, dining, and mattresses. Over forty-five years in business, thefurnituresentre.ie. Cork's ninety-six FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. A few responses coming in for our very frazzled working mom whose kids are four, five and seven and she feels she's lost all control. She can't sleep. She can't can't rest. She can't get five minutes peace because of them. And she has absolutely no idea what to do. Uh, Beth Ann was on me earlier on, psychiatrist, or psychologist rather, psychotherapist and uh, Mum's Mind podcast co-host throwing it open to the floor if you are a mom of multiple small children, four, five and seven, God bless you and spare you. How do you keep control in the house? How do you keep them from going completely out of control particularly if you're trying to work hold down a job alright that is coming up 
we come back to some of those responses. But we do need, we do need to do this. It's day one and we're having fun with it so far. The Word. On Quartz 96 FM. Say word. All right now. Here is the deal. The Word has started. All right. It's free money and lots of it. Like at the moment, today's pot is up to 500 euro. 500 quid if you know the word. The word has been bleeped out of a little bit of breakfast show banter between Lorraine and Ross. If you can guess the word on air, you can win right now, this hour, 500 euro. We want you to enter and we'll call someone later in the hour. But here's the deal. Do not put the answer into your text. Just your name. Just your name. We're very strict on this. You put the answer into your text, we won't enter you. Just your name, okay? So, let's have a listen to the word, or rather not. Hold on, we get it right there now, PJ, for a start. Let's let's play it. Here we go. Here we go. I walked in and you were spraying deodorant. Yeah. You are the only person in the world that I know that has <laughs> scented deodorant. The word. On yeah. 96 FM. Say word. So what is the word? Your name only, please. Only your name to 083 396 96, 96, and we'll pick a contestant and hopefully give someone 500 quid before quitting time at 12. 0818 96, 96, 96, the number of the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96, 96, and the email opinion at 96m.ie. Looking out at that beautiful day and thinking in a few weeks' time when the evenings are nicer and the days are just that little bit warmer, well, a lovely walk along the seaside, maybe down around Cross Avon, Myrtleville, Fountainstown, maybe even a dip in the sea, a very early season dip in the sea, and a few chips from the wagon. But the residents don't seem too happy. Now, there's been a call at the county council, Cork County Council, last week, heard a call for something to be done, as they say, about chipper wagons and food trucks in Cross Avon and Camden and Fountainstone and Myrtleville and all those places. Audrey Buckley, Councillor Audrey Buckley, we love the old chipper truck. What's wrong with it? Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. And yes, we do love the chipper trucks and we do love the coffee vans. Um, you know, I, I think since uh, COVID, uh, uh, when the more coffee vans and that came on board, um, now we just uh, automatically assume there's going to be a coffee van somewhere so you can get your cup of coffee and go for your walk or after your walk, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do love them. And what we do need is we need a bit of manners. Um, to be put on um, all these casual traders um, that are rocking up. We're going to try and protect the casual traders that have been there for the last four or five years from another 10 coffee trucks from from rocking up on the same day. 
Um, we need to protect the residents. We need to protect um, the noise levels from um, some of the um, casual traders have very loud um, generators going. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's a few things that we need to look at and we need to protect the locals and the residents that are living in the area, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm thinking in particular of my friend, my dear friend Angela, in Angela's shop in Fountainstown. And I remember when the rules were kind of put on side for a year or two. I was down there one evening having a coffee after having a swim and she was given out stink because she said, look, she said, I'm here 30 years running my business. I have no problem with a fella selling a few chips on the other side of the strand. I have no problem with that. But I, but I have a load of them here. I can't control them. Yeah, and that is the problem because um, Cork County Councils, their casual trading bylaws um, haven't been amended. And that's what I've been looking for. Um, I'd say about four years was the first time I put in an, a motion to ask for Cork County Council to amend the bylaws to protect um, casual traders themselves and also to protect the area where they're rocking up to. Um, and it's been four years and we still haven't gotten any closer. So mm. that's why a motion went in um, because my weekends could be spent getting pictures of uh, chipper vans or coffee vans or saunas, whatever, blocking driveways or noise levels so it's just not fair and it's 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 just the fairness of it all and um they just need to be um amended to protect everybody and yeah. that's what i'm asking for um and uh look and there are, so we've you know designated the areas C-103. have to be looked at go ahead sorry the license sorry the licenses i mean are you licensed are you hiqua certified um and like you mentioned you know angela's you know got all her she ticks all the boxes she's paying all her licenses and her water rates etc so you know we also need to look at casual traders to make sure that you know that they're health approved you know yeah. they're selling if they're selling food etc um and you know and and another issue is in fountainstown and myrtleville especially myrtleville is the parking um yeah. Is a rocking up, you know, one last summer we had a 20 foot chipper van block, a coffee van and the sauna, you know, and we couldn't move them, Uh, you know. So, look, there's issues like that. So we have to have an officer, um, an authorised officer from the council or allow the guards. At the moment, the guards can't do anything because there's no casual trading. No, no, there's no casual trading bylaw. So they can't move them on. They can only move them on if the person is on a double yellow line, say, for instance, so even if you're there. causing an obstruction to traffic, and there's Myrtleville now as a perfect example, that narrow hill down yes. there into Myrtleville. Yes. If I rock up there with a, with a, with a chipper wagon, I can just park. Yep. And as long as I'm not sitting on yep. double yellow line, the guards can do nothing about it. No, they can't. That's mad, Audrey. No, they can't. That's mad. It is mad. It is mad because that, that, like I said, you know, you've you could have four coffee vans rock up. You could have two chipper vans rock up. Um, last year, where the where we put the um the 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 portaloos, um, a car had blocked a child into one of those. You know, so it's just it's crazy. It's the madness on a nice weekend, a sunny sunny day. Um, there needs to be put a manners needs to be put on the whole thing and to protect everybody. You know. And are you suggesting that people would have a license? for Myrtleville or a license for Fountainstown for a particular patch at a particular time? Yes, 
Absolutely. Use it or lose it as well. Um, some of these casual traders, they're they're leaving their 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 coffee van or whatever it is there could be there for a week or two without them opening or trading. Um, that's very unfair to somebody who else who could have taken that spot. So um, what we're looking at is um, our municipal district, they're working on them right now. Hopefully they'll be enacted before the summer. So we're looking at designated areas in the Cargillan Municipal District um, where areas that we will allow casual trading to happen. And then these people will have to get a license. They'll have to apply to Cargillan Municipal District to get the license. They'll have it for a year um, and they pay a fee and... Um, you know, and just, you know, and anybody who's and they'll be told uh, to be when authorised to be there. As as the yeah. old sketch had with the unbelievables, you'll be told where you're going, when you're going there, if you're going there at all. Yeah, and that you have your proper licence and that you're registered with HICWA or whoever the body is for casual traders. That, you know, the foods that you're serving, you know, and just to protect the, the consumer as well. And look, we need to protect the age-friendly parking spots. And, you, you know, it's it's very important that, uh, you know, older people or people with disabilities have access to the beach. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right, Audrey, let's see how this goes. I didn't know that. That's Councillor Audrey Buckley. I didn't know that those casual trading laws hadn't been brought back into force. They were kind of put to one side during COVID because all we had God help us and spare us, all we had was coffee trucks. All we had was chipper vans. Um, and so they'd be, they were everywhere. But now they're everywhere and well they're causing a problem. They need to be licensed again. 086 96. We will see where that one goes. We'll follow it as we get closer to the summer months. Thanks to Councillor Audrey Buckley. 0818969696. Right, back to the kids. And I'll read this again because I promised that I would. So this comes to us from a person who says, I'm just a frazzled working mum. My kids are out of control and I need help. They are four, five and seven and we've gotten to the stage where I feel like I've lost all control. They won't stay in bed at night. They're up talking and going around till 11 o'clock. They're constantly asking for treats, phones, drinks. And if they don't get what they want, then the tantrums start. It's like the two younger ones are learning from their older sibling and mimicking that behavior. I'm working full time and I'm just completely exhausted. One of them is constantly moaning or crying are just roaring. I've tried reasoning with them, I've tried shouting, I've tried threatening to ban their screens, taking their toys. Don't get me wrong, PJ, they're fabulous kids and I love them dearly, but it just feels like Groundhog Day and I'm constantly firefighting. How do I get back my control? Pleads a frazzled working mom. and says, get a teenager in to look after them. The kids are often bored. The new face alleviates the boredom. I discovered this by accident myself when I went out to work part-time. It also made them really independent and more used to being sociable. They still talk about that teenager to this day. Kevin says, routine, routine, routine. We grew up, for example, with the Denrow routine. It was like the rest of the week. It was like that for the rest of the week. Cara, that mother's email sounds like my life. I've given up trying to control my kids. I'm too tired. I'm hoping they'll come round by the time they're teenagers. Ooh. Try 26 or 27. No, I'm messing, Cara. Good luck with that. 
Very simple. Oh, God, Noel. No, no, no. <clears throat> I might stress the words I'm about to read are Noel's words. Okay? They're not mine. They are not mine. And I don't endorse them. But I will read them. Very simple when you're dealing with brats. We've two fabulous kids, says Noel. Love them to bits. When they turn into brats, out the back door, into the back garden. Adios. Shut the door. Let them back in when they stop acting like animals. No need to get angry. Just put them over your shoulder like little bags of coal and put them gently out the back door. It shuts them up really quickly, says Noel. Okay, Noel. Okay. <laughs> Mind you, <laughs> this vision of two little bedraggled heads looking in the back window at her. Oh, we'll be good. We'll be good. My daughter gave her child a tablet all the time. It says this granny. My daughter gave her child a tablet all the time. It made him bold and cranky. He had an attitude problem towards his parents. He's not allowed the tablet in my house. They took the tablet off him recently and he's back to normal. Small kids should not be on screens. We keep him busy in other ways, like playing shop or planting seeds or Lego or colouring. Stay away from those devices. It's making your children angry and narky. I'm actually surrounded by brats at the moment, says a frazzled dad, but I'm listening, listening to an audiobook called Good Inside. It was the recommendation of the doctor who did my son's diagnosis. There are some nuggets in there. That's from Alex. <laughs> Any more to add to that? Any more ideas to add to that? What does she do with her three children of four, five and seven who she reckons she has no hope of controlling them, that they're completely gone off the wall and she can't get her life back at all. Thank you for all of those. 083 396 9696. Uh, this one because it's in the news, and I'm only going to read it out because it's in the news. Um, if anybody else has anything to say about it, they're obviously happy to take it from you at 0818969696. These are the RTE confidentiality achievement uh, uh, agreements where all these exit packages were confidential and we couldn't be told how much these publicly paid employees were paid when they left. Now, all coming out of taxpayers' money, you'd think, well, that's very straightforward if... If Johnny McGinty is a member of the RTE board and Johnny McGinty decides to walk away with a package we're entitled to know what Johnny McGinty's package is, that is pretty much what we would all think. Confidentiality agreements work two ways, says this message. And I'm just playing the devil's advocate. There could be valid commercial reasons why they're needed. Remember, the people who left were in control of the situation and that might have been the price of them leaving quietly, which makes very good sense because I was thinking to myself over the weekend, knowing all this stuff is dominating the news for the weekend. So let us imagine that I'm a member of the RTE. I'm not. Let us imagine I'm a member of the RTE board or the RTE management and I decide to leave because I see this crack coming down the tracks and I'm out the gap. And let's imagine I sign a confidentiality agreement on my payoff. My payoff might be 200 grand. And I sign a confidentiality agreement on my payoff. And you breach my confidentiality. 
it'll cost you an awful lot more in court if you do that, because my lawyers will have you. So there's that too, I suspect. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool, for sofas, beds, kitchen, dining, and mattresses. Over forty five years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie. Cork's ninety six FM. And the unruly kids, Frank. This is nearly as bad as throwing them out into the back garden. Frank says, wrap up empty boxes in Christmas paper or birthday paper and every time they're bold, <laughs> throw one of them into the fire. Frank! <laughs> I could see that working though coming up to Christmas, couldn't you? Put a load of empty... I'll oh, stop. Put a load of empty boxes underneath the Christmas tree all wrapped up in lovely silver paper and make it look like there's loads of presents there and every time the children misbehave... After Toy Show night, <laughs> Born would have been the fire. Frank, stop it. Stop it, stop it. Funny, though. It's the pa- Shiona, totally serious. It's the parents at fault here. You are the parent. No phones, no screens until homework is done. Take them off. Take them off them. Read a book. Do sports. Seriously, says Shiona, whose message to our frazzled parent is, you are the parents and getting them under control is your job kind of thing 0818 96 96 96 so we've been talking about shortage of builders talking about shortage of mechanics talking about shortage of staff in every conceivable kind of industry we are very much in a full employment economy at the moment or damn near close to full employment but Mike you're saying that there is one shortage we're forgetting about and that is a shortage of people prepared to work in farming. Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you keeping? Very good. Problems? No, the thing, problems, like, look, everybody, look, everyone has shortage of jobs, look, between the guards and the nurses and, look, probably your, yourselves as well. But people aren't seeing the underlying that farmers are, are disappearing at a fairly, a fairly rapid pace and no one is highlighting it. Mm-hmm. Well, do you tell me a little bit about it then, Mike? Well, recently we found out 18 dairy farmers left our local co-op. They went into retirement because there was no one to take, no one either retirement or or other ventures. But they, the 18, the, so that's that's 18 farmers that were supplying milk to the local co-op are are not are not supplying anymore. Right. What's going to happen to their milk? Or are they getting out of the industry completely? They've gone out. They, they've got they've gone out of the industry comp- completely. And the thing is, there's not enough farmers keeping up. Like I'm the youngest farmer on my road, and I'm look, I'm 41. Right, right, right. Just come back, come back to the milk. I mean, if I'm farming a few dairy cattle, I look, I know nothing about it as you, as I'm sure you can guess. But if I'm if I'm farming 30, 40 dairy cattle, and and I decide I'm retiring, I surely don't slaughter the poor beasts. I I sell them to my neighbour. He might take them on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like. Look, you, 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 you can, you can sell them on, or if they got, if they get old, you no, know, you, 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 you send them to the factory, or mm. if they, like, there, there is pros and cons. But at the end of the day, with let's just say those eighteen farmers that that after leaving, that that's like if you put the ball pack, an average that's over a thousand, a thousand dairy cows. Then after, yes, yeah, that's the supply, right. When you put it that way, and then other like other food related farming. 
crops and stuff. Are, we, are fellas getting out of that? There, there, there is. Like, I see down the line now that, like, I'm able to hold, I can, I'm able to take two acres or one or one or two acres off my own farm patch and grow my own vegetables because there will come a time that a price uh, even a carrot or a spud will be or will be extortion amount of prices because mm-hmm. they, they won't be there nice. so like basically like I, I can afford to I can afford to put two acres aside and start growing cabbage or spuds or keep myself going keep myself and my family going but the jaw soaps the jaw soaps that that have to have relying on shop prices and they'll be give, they'll be giving out that they'll be hold on why is a baggy spuds gone from being five euro to ten euro uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, the, the, the government are doing absolutely nothing. So, are you predicting, Mike? Here, are you predicting food shortages with the way farming farming is going? Yeah, yeah. Because there's not enough of us, not enough of us doing the, not enough of us doing the grown work. It's the same. It's the same with the plumbers. The same with the carpenters. Yeah. Give it, ten, give it ten years, and you'll be all out to find a carpenter or find a plumber because most of them. Like I know from I know one builder now that he he was on to me. He said this trying to find apprentices is 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 like a disaster. Well, we're talking about there the last few days that that we yeah. we need thousands of apprentices and that either a aren't interest interested or b don't know you can do it. But with regards farmers, there's no one getting into farming either. No young people coming. Is it no young people coming no, through? No young people. They're, they're, they're ba- ba- basically, I'm on my row. On my row, there used to be ten farmers. Now they went out to five farmers, and I'm the and I and I'm the youngest on the line, and I'm forty-one. Right. So, like, look, if you if you put ten, if you put twenty or thirty years on me, ooh, is there any young fella that'll that'll branch up so there might be no one on the road? Yes. Yeah. They go like the go the go the go the government are railroad yes now, but they'll be coming back screaming, screaming at us in ten years to help. What, what help could help. like you, for, as you say here in your message to us? No farmers, no food. It, it's very stark. But how how could the government or how should the government help, Mike? They should give more incentives and, so, and more incentives to young farmers to stay at home. But like, like the thing is, I when I was young, I was sent out to do a trade. Yeah. I got a trade. I got a trade, and but I mean, I'm, I I went back farming because I love farming. Yeah. But there's no incentive to love farming. You're not gonna you're not gonna ask a 15 year old to go in the muck, or in the muck when it's when it's pissing pissing rain or snowing or ice or anything. There's no incentive. There's no like the paycheck at the end of the week or even into the month. It's not like the price of milk at the moment is is not the best. You know, it's not a best incentive, but the price of ration and the price of feed and the price of everything, everything is going against everything is going against the farmers. But we're still, we're still, we're still backing down. That's why there's protests over in France. Like, yeah, we we protested there a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago with our tractors. Yeah, but when when we did, most of the government crowd were probably asleep because it was in the evening time when farmers could get out. Yeah. I was, I was reading some pieces about that those farmers protesting. Yeah. In fact, Peter Hines, a man I'm sure you know well, uh, Peter um, wrote a fabulous piece in the Irish Independent about those protests. The French are trying to let the people in the big cities know if the yeah. food stops coming in, this is how it's going to feel. So exactly. the shops of Paris and Bordeaux had not much on the shelves because the farmers' blockades are coming in. And the message was, if we're gone, that's what happens. 
Yeah, but the, yeah, but the thing is, the government will will focus all their election things. I guarantee you that in Dublin City or Cork City, people weren't like you're not going to see a politician coming out to any farm, any farm any time soon for any election. They're, they're, they'll be brave if they do. Do you know? It's just it's no, it's not highlighted enough. Well, that's why I wanted to have the opportunity to talk to you because I, I suppose yeah. we could be guilty, us city types, Mike, could yeah. be guilty of opening the larder or the fridge and not yeah. realising that pretty much everything in there can at some point or other be traced back to a farm. Exactly. Like, every morning, every morning I get up at half past five. I'll have my cows in for six o'clock in the morning and I have, I have the cows milked. Mm. And then, do you know, like if 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 I don't have if I don't have the cows, if I don't have the cows, I'm not going to be getting up in the morning to make sure. Like if like and it, you you will come up to your up to the shop someday and you'll see a price of milk jumping from two fifty or three or at the moment up to five euro and you'll be you everyone will be giving out all the prices of milk. Yeah, because because they're short supply. Yeah. Short supply means more. They're, they're going to up their prices when they're short supply, and it's going. It's happening. Give it ten years. I can guarantee you, in ten years, you're going to see a price a price of a, a two litre milk going up to around four four fifty to five euro. Easy. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and it all it all it's all rotating from butter to yogurt to even a pint of the, even a pint of Guinness. <laughs> Is a fella in Dublin charging a tenner now? Yes, you can see that he'll probably hit twenty. He'll hit twenty euro in ten years' time. Yeah. That's 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 the that's the They're not seeing what's 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 happening on on the ground, and the government the government are on their high horse. They're on ten feet off the ground. They're not looking. They're not. They're not looking down. Yeah, yeah. They're looking at. Yeah, yes. Fergal is telling me here that in Walmart's in the States, a three-liter drum of milk, which is the big one in the States, that's yes. nearly five dollars now. That's that's expensive. Yes, but that's that's because it, uh, farmers are in the same. It's the same case over in the States because I've been watching that as well. Well, if you look at it, I'm just thinking about if you if you look at the basics that are in anybody's fridge. Yeah, you know, bread, milk, eggs, cheese, a few tomatoes. Yeah. A few bits and pieces to make sandwiches. Yeah. Every single thing on that list traceable back to a farm. Exactly, and, and give it ten years' time. You, you might, I say, thirty percent of that stuff will disappear. Like I, I, I have no problem growing my growing my vegetables, but uh, and surviving, I'd be able to survive on on, on my land, like like we, like 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 my grandfather and my yeah, father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just we, but, we, we might but, end up going back to the I I. It's funny, I, they used to be here. I know there was some on the north side at one time. Yeah. We could end up going back to allotments, Mike. Yes, and I, I, I and to be honest, I'm surprised that they're, they're not up yet, but people are, aren't seeing the brighter picture. All they know is open, open the cupboard and open the, the fridge in the shop and it's there. Packages yeah. lovely and clean and look at you. And they're not... They won't be there in ten years' time. Right, right. Listen, that you paint a bleak picture, but in fairness, to you, we've talked a few times over the years. That's Mike. Mike's a professional farmer, forty-one years of age, says he's the youngest farmer he knows. Fellas, are getting out of it, and you look into your press or you look into your fridge, and everything in there is traceable back to a farmer, a farmer. If the way Mike is talking, if he's proved to be right, we are in, we're in trouble. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. No farmers. 
No food. That's what the French thing was about. I was looking at some video, and look, you can take all the nonsense you want on social media, but actually look up proper reporting of what the farmers are doing in France. They're surrounding the towns and the big, the bigger towns and cities, and they're not letting supplies in. And then they're saying, well, if you stop, if you don't stop treating us the way you're treating us, Mr. French government, then this is what it's going to look like. Empty shelves and shops. There will be no produce because there will be no us. 0818969696. We will have a contestant for the word before we finish. 500 euro in the pot. Lots and lots of people coming in with just thank you, just your name. Do not give us the word. If you know the word, don't give it the word. Keep it to yourself. All right? All right, because it's day one, I'll play it again for you. I walked in and you were spraying deodorant. Yeah. You are the only person in the world that I know that has <laughs> scented deodorant. What is the word? Just your name. Just your name. To 083-396-9696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie. Corks 96 FM. On farmers and food. This is shocking and ever so sad the way the incompetent government is disrespecting local Irish business. Our farmers and fishermen in particular. They'll have everything sold out to Europe. Yet the whole country won't protest together as one. Thousands will march for Palestine, but not for the farmers. Says it all, says that message. 0818969696. Now, Friday we were talking to Kate Hyde from henparty.ie and stagparty.ie. And she was saying that your normal boozy hen and stags are kind of past it now. They're kind of not the thing. Yeah, there's Prosecco and for the ads there's beer kind of thing but it's not the be all and end all now. People are looking for younger couples in particular. They're doing stuff like yoga. Yes, yoga. Yoga. Uh, Painting. Arts and crafts. Axe throwing, of which more in a moment. And rage rooms. A rage room. Now we had the owner and founder of Ireland's first rage room the south of Ireland, there's one in the north the rage room is in Dublin in Talla with the the owner on a few weeks back and you literally do that you go in and you smash the place up for what 15-20 minutes, Darren Johnson uh, of Darren and Demi on Saturday fame has been up to the, you've been there have you Darren? Uh, morning, PJ. Well, actually, I, I was at um, the Smash Club, which is actually in French Church Street in okay. the city centre. There's, okay. there's one in Cork. Oh, we've got one in uh, Cork already, OK. Yeah, there is, yeah. And actually, I think Smash Club have the claim of being Ireland's first rage room. I think the one up the country opened a few months ago, but Smash Club in French Church Street opened very quietly to an exclusive clientele in October of last year. Very, so, very you, quietly, because it's the first time yeah, hearing of yeah. fella. Well, there you go, there you go. So, uh, yeah, I mean, myself and Demi uh, went along a couple of weeks ago. We did well in our in our listenership figures recently, and we, we decided did. to have a, a bit of a morning out to celebrate. And yeah. 
uh, we thought, you know what, now what better way to say that we smashed this than go to Smash Club and smash some things, you know? So, um, yeah, I, like I had first come across the whole Rage Room concept maybe a year and a half, two years ago on, on social media and uh, just loved the idea. Um, and like that now, <laughs> honestly, PJ, I, I, I came out of that session, like we booked a 15-minute session. Right. After maybe seven minutes, I was shite. Absolutely shite. <laughs> and... I came out of there feeling like I had had the best massage that I had ever gotten. I was so chilled out, so relaxed, and like, so I sat down for breakfast and I thought, this is a great start to my Saturday morning. Describe what it's like for me, so what happens? Well, I mean, it, you, you go into this room, you have your protective gear on, you're, you're given a bat or a mallet or a hammer or whatever you want, um, and you just smash the living daylights out of all sorts of things inside in this room. Uh, the one in Cork, it's mostly like old car doors, barrels, uh, things that go clang very loudly, um, and the uh, the owner threw on some heavy metal while I was uh, while I was smashing away at things, and uh, it was just pleasure. it was just fun. Yeah, it was just it was just great fun, you know. And like honestly, it, it um there was there was there was there's something therapeutic about it. There really is, you know. I mean, um, I, I as I said, I walked out of there feeling in control, you know, um, zen, relaxed. Um, muscles were killing me. But, like, it was well worth doing, you know? Right. And it's just... How long does a session last? What, 15 minutes? Um, as I said, it's a 15-minute it's a session you book. But, as I said, like, I was I was five minutes, seven minutes, and I was kind of going, OK, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> you know? So I'd highly recommend this. I'd, I'd definitely recommend this, yeah. Smash Club at French... Well, there's a first now, because when, when we were talking to the chap in Dublin, uh, we, the, he was kind of saying he'd like to come to Cork. Well... Clearly, someone's got there ahead of him since last October there. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it was October of last year. It's actually the same building as the American Axe Throwing um, down near uh, near Nando's on French Church Street. Yeah, I'm about um, to go that, there as well now in a second because that. <laughs> yeah, the things people are doing. Darren, good man, thank you. And indeed, Darren and Demi did rather well, thank you very much, in the recent JNLRs. Saturday afternoon, 2 to 6 on Cork's 96 FM. is a certain combination of mayhem that you won't get anywhere else. Cheers, bud. And he mentioned axe throwing. Now, you can smash stuff in one corner of the room and then you can walk into another part of the same... and you can throw hatchets. Now, I'm sorry, John Lundy of Axe Throwing Cork. Where did this all start? Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Um, we opened uh, about two and a half years ago, uh, the axe throwing on French Church Street, um, uh, just because we were looking for something to use the space for. And uh, it was a long, narrow space, and it, it lent itself perfectly to axe throwing. And uh, now we've expanded, uh, uh, as your colleague was saying, into uh, the rage room concept as well there on French Church Street in Cork. Gotcha. So axe, it is literally, I rock up and I throw an axe at a wall or a target or what? Uh, there's a big target on the wall. You're exactly 12 feet back from it. You're given uh, safety instructions and some instructional uh, pointers on how to throw an axe. And uh, we have uh, an instructor standing behind you giving you pointers while you're doing it. And uh, that's it. It's very, very cathartic. Um, and uh, I suggest everyone come down and give it a try. Now, as someone who couldn't hit a brick wall at 10, at 10 <laughs> paces, how am I to guaranteed the thing won't bounce back and take the head off me we uh actually have each of the lanes are completely uh enclosed and on the floor of each lane there are thick um 
cow pads so that if the axe doesn't stick in the wall and it hits the floor, the rubber pads absorb all the energy and uh, it won't bounce back at you. That's not uh, not Nahini or Douglas even accent. How did you get to be here, sir? <laughs> uh, I, uh, I moved from uh, New York City about five or six years ago and bought myself a little place in Kilavullen and uh, retired quietly. But uh, having been in the commercial real estate business in New York City for many years, uh, retirement didn't suit me well. So I started opening businesses here and uh, I opened a chain of coffee shops and then some axe throwing and uh, I have a flower business in Mallow. So, but I'm just doing this to keep out of trouble. I'm retired. Yeah. <laughs> keep out of trouble. Okay, so let it, keep out of trouble. So you unleash people with baseball bats to smash things and you line them up against the wall to throw hatchets and you do that to stay out of trouble. I'd hate to know what you might do if you were to get into trouble, gentlemen. <laughs> We uh, we tried the baseball bats originally, but uh, after five or ten minutes of smashing, the uh, the baseball bats would break. So now we're using fiberglass handles, uh, meter long fiberglass handles, because we find that uh, they last a bit longer. <laughs> Is there a website or a handy Facebook page that people can go to book some of this craziness? Yep, they can book uh, the axe throwing at American Axe Throwing, and the smash room is also available on that same website. Okay. Um, we've noticed a strange phenomena. We've been open um, for a couple of months now. We've noticed that uh, most of our clientele are women between the ages of 25 and 35, and we're not really sure why. But Maybe they've got some stress. <laughs> yeah, have you had hen parties in, for example? Uh, we've had a number of hen parties in, and I much prefer those to the uh, to the, uh, the the stag parties. Really, they're always good fun. Elabor yeah, elaborate. Uh, the the stag parties tend to get a little uh, out of hand, even though we're a completely alcohol free environment. Uh, even before, even if they're in there at one or noon or one, they tend to get a little a little too rowdy. Uh, not that we turn them away; we love to have stag parties as long as they're well behaved. But uh, the ladies. The ladies seem to be a little bit more uh, in control than the gentlemen sometimes. Mm, that's interesting. All right, John, <laughs> thank you so much. John Lundy of Axe Throwing Cork and indeed Smash Club on French Church Street. I'm sure if you Google it, it'll come up. <laughs> he retired to Ireland and set up a string of businesses. Good man, John. 0818 96 96 96. A um, couple more of your comments here. I'm involved in the selling off of dairy stock and cattle from farmers leaving the industry. It's now a case of the big getting bigger and the smaller guy being squeezed out, says John. And on those RTE confidentiality clauses, the point with, that's been made in a few columns over the weekend is it might not be so simple as revealing what was in somebody's exit package from RTE because of a confidentiality clause. And if you breach confidentiality, it'll probably end up costing you more than the exit package cost you in the first place. And that's just just how it is, really. Mick says any business paid for with taxpayers' money shouldn't have confidentiality clauses. Anybody who agreed to or accepted those should be before the courts. It's taxpayers' money, not private money, says Mick. And... Tom says they knew what they were doing and they evoked the confidentiality clause to save their own embarrassment. There should be no confidentiality clauses when public money is involved. And you might think that, Tom, and indeed Mick, but there is. 
you'd like to come to a world where there isn't and maybe down the road you get to a point where there isn't but at the moment there is and I'm not saying I'm a supporter of it I'm not saying I'm against it I just ex- the facts so to speak 0818 96 96 96 alright let us do this it started this morning and the mayhem is already underway the word on Quartz 96 FM say Okay, so here's how it works. We currently have 500 euro in our prize pot. 500 euro in our prize pot, all right? And we've been asking you to guess the word that was bleeped out from the breakfast show this morning. To remind you once again... I walked in and you were spraying deodorant. Yeah. You are the only person in the world that I know that has <laughs> scented deodorant. The word is the your chance to win free money. On Cork's 96 FM. Right, now we got people to send in just their name. So we don't know the answer before we bring our caller on the air. Don't tell me what your answer is just now, Lorraine. Just now, but... Good morning to you. Morning, Peter. How are you? You're you've moved house recently. Yeah, just a year ago. There we moved this country. <laughs> okay, okay. Your line isn't the May West, which is a pity. Oh, so five hundred quid, which is what in front of me at the moment, five hundred quid will be very handy. Oh, absolutely, definitely. <laughs> okay, okay. You're originally from Mayfield and moved down to Kill. Okay, so. The word was left out. Do you... I'll play it again one more time. Here we go. I walked in and you were spraying deodorant. Yeah. You are the only person in the world that I know that has... scented deodorant. Okay, Lorraine. I would think it's marmite. Oh. Marmite. You think it's um, marmite? Shall yeah, we have a know. listen and see? Shall we have a listen and see? Hold on. I walked in and you were spraying deodorant. Yeah. You are the only person in the world that I know that has marmite scented yes. deodorant. <laughs> you won! I think. I think it's your. I think you are our official first winner on the word. The answer is marmite. Five hundred euro is yours, Lorraine. Oh my God, that's amazing. Thank you so much. That's You're brilliant. more than welcome. You're absolutely more than welcome. Five hundred euro, Lorraine has just won it on the word on Cork's ninety six FM. It's as simple as that. Lorraine Anders Leach, Rizzi Mayfield, now now five hundred euro better off on the word. She correctly guessed that the answer was. Let's just prove it one more time, will we? Here we go. I walked in and you were spraying deodorant. Yeah. You are the only person in the world that I know that has marmite scented deodorant. Yeah, nice one, nice one, Lorraine. All right. See? Now, new game will start with Simon this afternoon. A new word left out. It'll start at 250 euro. And then every time it's not guessed, it goes up by 250. 
The two are back in the morning, by the way, from 6am. Lorraine and Ross back with the word and free more free money. Ross will be wrapping up the show. Two rounds of the two grand minute and it all starts in the morning. All right. That first day of the word. That was fun, wasn't it? That was fun. 500 quid, just like that. And Simon will start a new game this afternoon. That's it. Program edited by Imra Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Put all of your podcasts up ASAP, and we'll talk to you in the morning just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining, and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie. Cox 96FM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.